How's it going, folks? How's it going? I'm Brother Matthew, and this is Christian Coffee Time. And today we're going to be continuing on our study of the Gospel of Luke. This is where we sit down to study the Word of God, and we're going to be taking a look at what it says. So please grab your Bibles, notepads, and pens. Grab your tea. Grab, grab your coffee. Very important, too. Very important. And turn with me to the Gospel of Luke. All right, we're in chapter 12. We got down to verse 40. So that's where we're going to be picking up where we left off, obviously. So I hope that uh, this will be an encouragement and a help to you. And if you have any comments, questions, issues, insights, anything regarding the study at hand, then please, by all means, go ahead, ask away. We'd be glad to hear from you. If it's not related to the topic at hand, if you could just hold that to the end of the study or to the next broadcast as we want to try to limit our rabbit trailing. Okay, so. Alright. Now, chapter 12 is a bit of a longer chapter. It's got a lot of stuff in it. And there's... Like Pastor Paul said in his uh, last study on Hebrews, is just there's there's so much information in each chapter, in each section, in each passage, in each verse, that it it gets difficult sometimes to know what to dive into and what not. This is just so much to bring out, so we just kind of just take the stone and just skip it across the surface, and we just kind of just gla glaze through, uh, graze through. Uh, the passages so make sure you go back and do the study yourself as well uh, now firstly there's the milk of the word where you just kind of read through you get a, a basic understanding of just the the base narrative of the text or just uh, uh, the basics of the story as it's being told that's just the milk of the word then what you want to do is you want to back up Go again through it slowly, line by line, word by word, verse by verse, point by point, carefully, slowly, methodically, walking through, contemplating, praying about, meditating on every individual thing that's presented. And seeing, okay, where else in the Word of God does it, rep does it present this? Where is it represented? What else is it talking about? What are the doctrines, the theologies, the stuff that's coming out? And... Uh, you fast and pray on the passage. That's the meat of the word. That's how you get the meat of the word. You work at it. You chew on it. You really think about it. So we want to be careful that that our personal doctrines and theologies, our beliefs, are not based just solely on the milk of the word. We need to go back and study and ask the question, how? Why? Why do I believe it like this? Like, how is it truly brought out in accordance with the word of God? Where else in the word of God does it talk about this? How can I properly defend my beliefs from scripture alone competently? So, that's what we're trying to do here and just in a kind of a quick summarization sense because uh, again uh, we could be spending months years on each chapter there's just so much information so we're just seeing okay what is it saying it's just showing and teaching how to glean it from other passages how to understand the context that's what we're kind of what we're doing here so i hope that you understand and I hope that you're doing the work yourself. 
Okay, so with that said, please take your Bibles and turn to chapter 12, and let's go to verse 40, and make sure you follow along. And if you got questions as we go through regarding the context here, if you have questions about what we're talking about, please do not hesitate to ask away. It's very important. Want to make sure everybody is on the same page and everybody understands. So please make sure you go ahead and ask questions as long as it's related to the topic. And uh, we'll be glad to hear from you. Okay. And as an update. Uh, speaking of Pastor Paul, I had asked everybody to please be praying for him as he was having some chest pains and, and, and uh, issues the other day. He's doing much better. Thank you so much for, for your prayers and your support on that. Yeah, he's feeling much better. Um, it just really wears him down and he feels quite uh, uh, weak and uh, frail for, for a while after that because those ordeals are quite uh, stressful and traumatic. But uh, he is feeling much better, so thank you so much for your prayers. Okay, so let's continue on here. Luke chapter 12, picking up where we left off, verse 40. Now, Jesus finishes his previous talk here about uh, being ready and about what we're supposed to be focused on, what we're supposed to be striving for, what is truly important, how we're not supposed to fear and worry and stress about things. And he gives examples about how... And take a look at the grass, the field, the lilies, the flowers, the birds, and all these things, and how the Lord cares for them. He cares for everything. If he so clothed the grass of the field, how much more will he clothe you? If he cares for the birds, how much more will he clothe you and care for you? And all creation, all nature, is provided for and cared for by God. Our God, our Father, our Lord, our Savior. So... We look to him and understand that he will do so much and more for us because we'll think about who we are in him. We are his children. And But seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things, all the things that we would have need of in life will be provided and he, and he will care for us. He will help us. He will provide for us. He'll strengthen us. It says, fear not, little flock. Does the shepherd not care for his sheep? Will he lead his sheep to where they need to go for comfort and protection and uh, for rest and for food and water? He, we're his sheep. He will do so with us. And then he goes on to talk about, now, since I will provide all this and will guide you in all this, there's nothing left for you to care about other than the care of the Lord, about the ministry of faith, the work of Christ, to be always ready watching in prayer and fasting and and the work of christ it says verse 40 be ye therefore ready also for the son of man cometh an hour when ye think not the time is short now jesus said this back then how much closer do you think we are now then compared to then so we take a look at the sign of the times and which is actually what we're going to be getting into as this is all, all about how he cares for us and what we're supposed to be doing. And this is why. And this is why. The time is coming. The time is short. So be, to be ready. Now, how can we be ready? Well, we've talked about this numerous times. Um, we take a look, for example, um, being ready in everything that you do, even in eating and drinking, do all to the glory of God. 
Who then is that faithful servant? So we're going to be taking a look at what it means to be a faithful servant compared to others who say they love the Lord, but in works dishonor him. Now, verse 41, then Peter said unto him, Lord, speakest thou this parable unto us or even to all? Now, Peter's got an interesting insight here from his own perspective, of his own opinions. Now, look what Jesus is saying about caring, about the Lord caring for and, and providing for and helping in all things and guiding us in all stuff and fear not, little flock. Peter says, then Peter said, said to him, Lord, speakest thou this parable unto us or even to all? Okay, think about what Jesus is talking about. Now, the us are the disciples of Jesus Christ. Now, we want to just for a second just understand and distinguish the difference between being just a Christian and being a disciple. Um, can someone answer this in the comments if you're able to? Are all Christians, now what's a Christian? Someone who believes in the biblical Jesus of the biblical gospel, the Lord God Almighty, Jesus Christ, by grace through faith, by belief alone, period. So that's what a Christian is. Um, are all born-again Christians disciples? Are all born-again Christians disciples? Can someone answer that? No, but should be. Right. Now, why? Jen, can I ask you, why are they not? Why are they not disciples? Now, think about this. You don't have to answer. But I want you to think. I want to try to get you to think. So the answer is no. Not all born-again Christians are disciples. Because when we look in the Word of God at what it means to be a disciple, well, that is one point. They're not educated in the Bible. That is one point. <laughs> so uh, you are correct to a point. Now, a disciple of Jesus Christ is much more than just being a Christian. Now, you can't be, you cannot be a disciple of Jesus Christ unless you're a Christian first. But many Christians are not disciples. A disciple is one who sets the Lord first in their life, dies to self, gives up their own opinions and feelings, does not live for themselves, they do, not, they do not live for themselves. They don't care what the world says. They go out to serve the Lord and they, and they publish the gospel to all people unashamed, unafraid. That's what a disciple is. Someone who, who in everything that they do, even in eating and drinking, dwell to the glory of God, because they want to. Not because they have to. Because they want to. Because they want to serve the Lord. They want to walk with the Lord. They want to put the Lord first. They, because they love the Lord. That's a disciple. That's a disciple. A Christian is someone who has seen that they're a sinner. 
and that they need to be saved from their sins. And Jesus Christ is the Savior. And Jesus Christ so loved them that Jesus Christ went to the cross for them, shed his blood and died, was buried, rose again the third day according to the scriptures. And they see this, understand this, that Jesus Christ can save them from the condemnation of their sins. So they believe and they're born again saved. That's a Christian. A disciple is now someone who now takes up the cross and follows him in everything that they do. Do all Christians do that? Do all Christians do that? No. Unfortunately, no. That's really, really sad. It's really upsetting. It's really disturbing that many Christians don't. So... Let's move on. Let's see, see what the Lord is saying here in verse 41. Luke 12, verse 41. Then Peter said to him, Lord, speakest thou this parable to us or to even to all about who the Lord will provide and help and guide and instruct? Well, okay, just think about this one just for a minute, Peter. Um, does the Lord clothe, provide, guide, guard, instruct, feed the unsaved, the wicked? Does God care about the unsaved as his dear children? Now, the Lord does cause it to rain on both the just and the unjust. But this is talking about those who, those whom the Lord loves, the Lord, the Lord calls and draws and instructs and guides, guards, provides, uh, helps and comfort fear not little flock the sheep of the flock the sheep of the shepherd who are the sheep of the shepherd everyone or is it specific it's specific it's to the flock those whom the lord has saved those who are born again saved are the sheep of the shepherd those who are born again saved are the sheep of the shepherd. It, this is exclusive. This is very specific. This is, this is exclusively only for those who are the Lord's sheep. So Peter says, Speakest thou this parable unto us or even to all? So context. The application context. To us, the just the disciples? Lord, are you saying this parable only to the disciples that you only help and guide, guard, provide, instruct, and protect only the disciples or to all Christians? So you look at how you read it. So the application can be applied to saved versus unsaved or within the saved. It can also be applied to all Christians or just disciples. Whom does the Lord love and help and guide, guard, instruct, and call his sheep? All Christians. So to whom was this parable spoken? All Christians. All Christians. So even this question by Peter is important to us and is to cause us to think, to really learn how to study the context of stuff and see the proper full application. Okay, so let's move on. What was Jesus' uh, response to Peter when Peter asked this question? Lord, speakest thou this parable unto us or even to all? Jesus says, verse 42, Luke 12, 42, And the Lord said, Who then is that faithful and wise steward, 
whom his lord shall make ruler over his household to give them their portion of meat in due season. Okay, so he answers this with another parable. I like how Jesus does that. You see, many, many a time we see that when Jesus was asked a question, he answers the question with a question or with a story, with a parable. You see, Jesus doesn't... I want to be careful how I say this. Jesus doesn't make things so brain-dead simple so that anyone just kind of with a, a passing indifference just looks at it. Oh, yeah, I see what I get what he means. No. You see, what Jesus says, anytime Jesus talks, he talks in such a way that only those who are actually paying full attention will get it. If you're only giving half of your attention to what he's saying, you know, like people sitting in church. They sit in church and they're sitting in the pew. The preacher's preaching and they're on their phone. Those people aren't really going to get what the Lord is saying. They're not really going to understand the full impact and meaning of the sermon. They're going to be missing points. They're going to be missing topics. Uh, their, their mind isn't going to be recording all of the details and stuff. They're not paying attention. They're not going to get it. Just like in a school class, if you're not paying attention, you're going to have a lot of trouble on the test. You're going to have a lot of trouble with the schoolwork. You see, when the Lord speaks by parables, he speaks them in such a purpose, such a reason that only those who are paying attention, only those who are keeping their eyes on Christ, only those who are giving their full attention to Christ will get it. Because the things of the Spirit understood by the Spirit of God and those who have softened their heart to Christ and love the Lord and want to pay attention, they want to learn, the Spirit of God is able to instruct. But if you're not listening, you've hardened your heart, you're being rebellious and stubborn, a disobedient child, unfaithful, the Spirit of God isn't able to work on you because you're hardening your heart. You are rejecting the conviction of the Spirit of God. If, you're in, if your attention is not given to the Word of God, if your attention is not given properly to what Jesus Christ is saying, you're not going to get it. It takes the whole Word of God, of the whole uh, oracles of God, to understand the fullness of the doctrine and theology of God. So look what Jesus says in verse 42. Who then is, a, is that faithful and wise steward? What's a steward? Servant, a caretaker, a caretaker of, the servant of, the worker of, a disciple. The disciple. You see, Jesus was first talking to all Christians. Now, Jesus is addressing disciples. What does it mean to be a disciple? A faithful and wise steward. What's a faithful servant of God? How how would you, in your words, you don't have to answer, but how would you, in your own words, explain and describe what a faithful disciple of Christ looks like, sounds like, works like, walks like, looks like? How would you describe? We have images, you know, like Moses, Elijah, Paul, Peter, James, John the Baptist. Okay. 
today, in our day and age, 2021, how would you describe, explain a faithful disciple of Jesus Christ? Now, what I would like you to do is look at yourself. Do you personally fall into that category? Be very careful about pride, about quickly speaking up. Yes, because well, what does a Christian look like? It doesn't mean that God loves you any less. It doesn't mean that God can't use you or any of that kind of thing. Don't, and don't be quick to degrade yourself and to put yourself down. But I would like you to examine yourself. Examine yourself in the Lord. Examine yourself in the Word of God. Can you do better? And furthermore, do you want to do better? Do you really honestly want to be faithful? Do you want to be a wise steward? Now, wise of the Scriptures. Wise according to the knowledge of God. Wise according to His instruction. His wisdom. His knowledge. What He says. Not what I think. Not my wisdom. My wisdom is nothing. My wisdom, you can't, you can't even compare it. My wisdom, my knowledge, my intellect, my insight, my powers of understanding is absolutely nothing compared to the wisdom and knowledge of God. So the steward is wise in his master's instruction. The steward knows how his master thinks, is, is able to, is able to, by, by the slightest movement, look, he's able to read his master and knows what his master wants of him. That the master, if he says a certain word, he's able, he's able to deduce what the master is going to do, what his master would expect. He knows his master's appetite, desires. He knows his master's likes and dislikes. He's wise according to his work and his master. And he's faithful in all that needs to be done. Now look at this. Who then is that faithful and wise steward whom his Lord shall make ruler over his household? Now ruler over, a, a caretaker over that you care for, look after, and you, you keep things going. You water the plants, you clean up the rooms, and you, you prepare the tables. You do all that is needed. From the littlest to the greatest. Who's able to make ruler of his household. Now the, the steward is wise in understanding of who his master is. Doesn't get lost in his master's house or, or on the master's property. He knows where things are. The steward knows his master. He knows his name. He knows everything about him. He knows how to identify him. He knows how to explain him. That if someone asks questions about his master, he's able to instruct them about who his master is. Do you? Do you understand these things about Jesus Christ? 
Do you care for the all, for all things of Christ? Are you faithful in all things of your master? Are you faithful in, in the work of Christ? Do you know who Jesus is? Can you explain him according to scripture? Can you describe him to the sinners, to the unsaved? Do you walk with him and talk with him? Do you fellowship with him at all times? Do you sit at his table? Do you listen to his words? Do you know how Jesus thinks? Do you know how he talks? Do you know what his likes and dislikes are? Do you know what disgusts him? Do you know what cheers him up and makes him glad? Do you know what makes your master laugh? What makes your master angry? Do you know the desires of your master? Do you know these things of Jesus Christ? That is a disciple. That is a disciple. A disciple, like, like the disciples of Christ, the apostles of Christ, who lived with Christ for three years. They walked with him, talked with him. They spent days and nights. They heard everything he said, everything he did. They went with him everywhere. They saw every miracle. They know the very ticks. They know the ticks of Jesus. They know the mannerisms. They knew the facial features. They knew the, the, the very expressions of his face. They, to look at his face, they knew what he was thinking. They were that close. Do you? Are you? Are you just a Christian? Are you saved by the skin of your teeth? You believe in the gospel, but does it end there? Are you a disciple of Jesus Christ? Do you care enough that, that when Jesus stops, you rush to be at his side? That you want to be the one that sits the closest to him? That when he talks, you can feel the breath coming out of his mouth? How close are you to Jesus? Are you one that wants to sit further away like Judas? He follows, but he doesn't pay attention. He's there, but he's not listening. Whom his Lord shall make ruler of his household? Can the Lord count on you to care for his things, to care for his kingdom, to care for his household, to care for his word? The Lord, he hands you his holy scriptures. Do you just set it on the bookshelf, the end table to gather dust? Or do you read the thing like, like as if you're sitting in front of Jesus, listening to his very words? If Jesus was to come to your home physically, knock on your door, then you open the door, there he is. He comes in, sits down. Would you be indifferent towards him? Would you be apathetic of him? Or would you be listening to every single word? Then why don't you do that now with his with his scriptures? It's no different. You want to hear God talk? Then read the scriptures out loud. Are you a steward? Are you a disciple? Are you just one that got saved uh, by listening to him while he went passing by and you let him go? You're saved. Your name's in the book, but it ends there. You made it, but that's all. You've tried to be faithful. You handed out some tracks, but, you know, it's not really that big of a deal to you. You're surrounded by the unsaved. They, they, they know you go to church. They know you believe in Jesus, but that's it. He will give them their portion of meat in due season, the rewards of discipleship, the rewards of the faithful, the rewards of the steward at the Lord. The Lord loves to see his saints at work, striving, 
sweating at the work because they want to, not because they have to, because they want to, and they want to be there. They want to be at this household of Christ. They want to do the work. They want to labor in the fields. They want to labor at the cleaning of the rooms, at the setting up of the tables, at the at the giving of the word to the people at the gate. That they want to do this. They 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 volunteer. The disciple, the steward, is a volunteer. The work is voluntary. The work is voluntary, not mandatory. The Lord calls his saints. See, first he calls the sinners to him to be saved. And then he, he has a second calling, the second calling of Christ, also known as the second blessing. The second calling of Christ is he calls the saints. He calls the sinners to him for salvation. And he calls the saints to him for discipleship and stewardship. The calling is voluntary. Your works are not a requirement for salvation. That the work of Christ, the discipleship, is not something that needs to be done to maintain, to keep yourself saved and to atone for your sins and that kind of stupid thing. That the discipleship is voluntary because you love him. Because you want to. You want to. That in everything that you do, even in eating and drinking, do all to the glory of God because you want to, because you love him. If you love me, keep my commandments. If you love me out of love of Christ, you volunteer your time. You, you voluntarily get up early to study the word before you go to work. You voluntarily give of your own time to the service of Christ to tell others about Jesus because you love Jesus Christ and you care for lost souls. You take time out of your day to, to speak of Christ, hand up the tracks, to do the work of an evangelist because you love him. That faithful steward, that faithful servant whom his Lord shall make ruler of his household. The Lord blesses this and he gives you more and more responsibilities because he sees that he can count on you. He sees you're trustworthy. He sees that you can be trusted. We trust in the Lord with all our heart. But can the Lord trust in us to do the work? To not faint in prayer, to not quit when, this, when the things go tough and goes di difficult. Verse 43, blessed is that servant whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. That in everything that you do, in the simplest, in everything, Christ mindfulness, that, that you set the Lord first in all that you do, your entertainment, your lifestyles, your hobbies, your interests, your work life, home life, private life, public life, social life, and everything. You Everything has been changed, modified, so that it would not dishonor your master. So that if your master was to show up, was to darken the door of the room you're working in, he just happens to pop in and looks in, that he won't find things that will that'll grieve him and upset him because he sees that all things are to his honor. That's mindfulness. You mind your speech, you mind your conversation, you mind your interests, you mind your, your public life, your work life, your social life, you mind your your private life. And everything you bring up before the Lord because you want to, because you love him. 
Blessed is that servant whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. And cometh as in meaning when the Lord comes again. What, what is he going to find you doing? Because you have no idea when he's coming. You could be out at Walmart, at the grocery store, out for a bike ride. You're at the gym. You're out swimming or whatever else. You're sitting on your couch watching television. You're out with friends or you're on the phone or who knows what. You could be all by yourself, or you could be out with other people behind closed doors, out in the social eye. Who knows what you're doing? And the Lord comes, and suddenly, what are you going to be caught red-handed doing? Blessed is that servant whom the Lord comes to find so, find so doing, that, that when you are caught up, it doesn't matter what you're in the middle of doing. He is on your mind and that you're working laboring and that you're living in a way that honors him because that's what a disciple does that's what the steward of christ does of a truth verse 44 of a truth i say unto you that he will make him ruler over all that he hath that the lord gives us his kingdom we inherit the kingdom of god that's, this is our reward, our inheritance. To be with him, to live with him, to reign with him, to rule with him, to live with him in all things for all eternity. But, the Lord goes on to say something else though. Because are all born again Christians disciples? No. And here's a, fur, fur, here's a, a further follow-up question. Are all who say they are Christians, Christians? Are all who say they are Christians, Christians? No. No. Are all who follow Christ, and it would seem passionately, they follow him in all things, it would seem, are they saved? No. Judas Iscariot followed Jesus for three years. Judas Iscariot was counted as one of the disciples. Judas Iscariot was counted as one of the apostles. Judas Iscariot walked with Jesus, lived with Jesus for years, listened to everything he said, saw everything that Jesus did. That when people saw Jesus and saw his apostles, they saw Judas Iscariot. Many in that day will cry, Lord, Lord, have we not done many wonderful works in thy name? Have we not prophesied in thy name? Have we not cast out devils in thy name? Judas Iscariot cast out devils. That just goes to show the power of the name of Jesus, not the power of the individual. Many in that day will cry, Lord, Lord, have we not done? Have we not done? Have we not done? Well, it's not about what you do. It's what you believe. But we're saved by grace through faith, not of works. But, but, and if that servant say in his heart, in his heart, not his mind. So you see, in his heart, in his heart, my Lord delayeth his coming. and shall begin to beat the men, servants, and maidens, and to eat and drink, and to be drunken from his heart. You see, because many people believe in Jesus of intellect. Large percentages of, of, our, uh, of our country's believe in God of some sort and a large portion of those believe in a Jesus 
And it would seem that many of those would seem to believe in a form of biblical Jesus. They believe that Jesus is the Christ. They believe Jesus is the Messiah. They believe Jesus went to the cross for our sins. They believe Jesus rose again. That, that, that many of them believe in Jesus, but they don't believe on. There's a difference between believing in and believing on. My Lord delayeth his coming. And that they, they don't really care about the things of the Lord from the heart. They don't really care from the heart about the things of the Lord. And they give themselves to all of the world's pleasures. And they, they say of their mouth, of intellect, that they are a servant of their master. But they show absolutely nothing. There is no conviction. There is no love of the brethren. They beat the, the, the men servants and the maidens. They, they beat their, the, the brothers and sisters in Christ. No love of the brethren, no love of Christ, and they just and it's all about filling their belly, eating and drinking of the substance of life, and drunk, and they, they don't care about their testimony, they don't care about what they look like towards others. As J.C. Ryle, the great preacher J.C. Ryle says, if there's no conviction of sin. There's no Holy Spirit within. Now, I understand that that we can't adamantly deduce who is saved and who is not by, by fruit and works. Though fruit and works can be an evidence of how that individual perceives Christ. If there's no conviction of sin, that's a red flag. Now, yes, I understand when did the prodigal son cease to be a son of his father, but he ultimately showed conviction. The prodigal son ultimately showed conviction and got up and returned. So that's why we got to be careful about throwing people into hell. Because how do you know that if that, that individual that you're seeing acting like a worldling, how do you know they're not just a prodigal and that, you know, they ultimately will be brought back, that the Spirit of God will convict them and they'll return in repentance? How do you know? That's why you got to be careful. You got to show grace. But look what he says here. But that servant, this servant that beats the others shows no love of the brethren, beats mistreats the brethren, just focuses only on themselves. A social perverted individual, drunken, couldn't care less. The Lord of that servant will come in a day when he looketh not for him, and at an hour when he is not aware, and will cut him in sunder, and will appoint him his portion with the unbelievers. That uh, Appoint him his portion with the unbelievers, meaning that this one's allotment is that of the unbelievers. Many in that day will cry, Lord, Lord. But their names are not found written. Their allotment, their appoint, uh, appointment is with the unbelievers. Their portion is with the unbelievers. See, we cannot deduce who is saved and who is not, but the Lord knows. The Lord knows who in the church sitting in the pews that everyone is shouting amen, everyone's shouting hallelujah, everyone is in agreement. 
But not everyone is in agreement with Christ of the gospel. The Lord knows who is actually saved and who is not. You see, this is why we got to be careful of ourselves. We got to pay attention to our own work. The steward cares about what he is doing first, making sure, making sure of himself first. Make sure of thyself. Examine thyself to see if you're in the faith. How do you know if you are in the faith? And which of the stewards, to answer Angela's question, can we feel like we're not doing enough? Well, show me someone who's doing enough. What is enough? See, that, that's not even something we should care about because we can never do enough. But rather to make sure that we try to make sure of ourselves to try to fight against the flesh because the flesh wars against the spirit. So therefore make war against your flesh to be mindful of the things of the Lord, to be mindful of the things of the Lord. The steward is mindful in everything that they do, tries to be. But the thing about our master is our master is not an uncaring, unloving, uh, hard taskmaster. Christ is not a taskmaster. Christ is one who loves us despite ourselves. See, our master knows us so intimately. He knows our thoughts. Our master knows our weaknesses, our strengths. He knows what you're capable of and what you're not. He knows your limits. He knows what you're going through. He knows what your day-to-day -day is like. And our master cares. Our master is not so above us like in deism where there is a God, but he's so up there, you can't really know him. No, our master is right here, right at our side, walking with us day after day, helping us in everything that we do. Our master just doesn't just throw us the tools and then throws us to the wolves. Our master brings the tools to us and shares them with us. He, he's down in the trenches with us. He's down on his knees with us in the garden gardening. Our master is walking with us, talking with us, working with us, helping us, strengthening us. And we're digging with the shovel. We hit that stone and we're struggling with this. He puts his hands on the shovel with us and he digs with us. He sweats with us. He cries with us. He cares with us. That's our master. But the wicked servant, the ones who say that they are the servants and they don't care about the master, they, they dishonor the master. They say they are the servant of the master, but when this one comes whom they say they are the servant of, he will cut them asunder and, and give them their portion with the unbelievers. They will be cast out into outer darkness and the Lord will look after them. That these ones who mistreat you, who say that they are Christians and are not, and they mistreat you, give it to the Lord, for the Lord knows what they're about. That if they actually are saved, the Lord will correct them. And if they are not saved, the Lord will judge them. But worry not. And verse 47, And that servant which knew not his Lord's will, that servant which knew not his Lord's will, what is the will of our master? Do you know? I know. Do you know what the will of our master is? John chapter 6. John chapter 6. 
What shall we do that we might work the works of God? This is the work of God that you believe on him whom he hath sent. And we see later on, it says, And the Father's will is this, that you believe on his Son. This servant, which knew not his Lord's will. What is the will of our Lord, the will of our Master? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. And furthermore, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, to behave in Christ-likeness is the Father's will, is our Master's will, is our Lord's will. This servant, which knew not his Lord's will, knows nothing about the will of, will of the Lord, nothing about the will of the Master, and prepared not himself. How do we prepare ourselves? In prayer, in repentance, in love, in belief, in obedience. Who prepared not himself. So this one is not even saved. They say they're a servant and they're not. They are not saved. They don't know anything about the master's will. They're pretenders. They're pretenders. They strive onto the grounds of our master. And they find, a, a, they find clothes somewhere. And they, they dress up. They're playing dress up. They dress up like the servants. They strut around like the servants. They might even grab a shovel now and then like the servants. They might even would try to walk through the halls. But are they a servant? No, they're a pretender. They're playing dress up. They listen to the other servants, so therefore they know how to talk like the servants. They see where the servants are getting their information from the, ma from the master's word. And they listen in and they know how to talk like but they have no understanding. They know not their Lord's will. They are not of the master. They don't know how to describe him properly. They don't know how to instruct others about the master properly. They may know the odd word here or there, but they don't know. But Lord, Lord, have we not done? Have we not done? Have we not done? But I don't know you. You are not of my servants. And that servant which knew which knew his and that ser the servant which knew his Lord's will and prepared not himself. He he, he even hears what needs to be done, and they don't do it. They prepared not himself. They prepared not themselves. How many times you could sit? How much how many times did Judas sit and not pay attention? Didn't, how, how often did Judas just shrug his shoulders at what Jesus said? Judas followed along. Judas Iscariot followed along. Talked like, walked like, acted like the others, but was not. The Lord even said it was better for that one had he never been born. Called him the son of condemnation. This cursed one, Judas Iscariot. He heard what Jesus said about believing. You must believe. You must believe. You must be born again. And Judas couldn't care less. Prepared not himself. Neither did according to his will. Neither did according to his will. Shall be beaten with many stripes. Now, the wording there is talking about the judgment, the condemnation, the punishment that will come upon the unbelievers, that come upon the unsaved. These ones who, when the master reads, who are the hired? See, the master knows who his workers are because his, because his workers' names are written on the record, on, on the scroll. They're written in the book of ownership. Your name is on the record. 
So when he reads out that holy roll call, whose names are in on the holy roll call, here, 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 and some are not raising their hand because their names are not written. Those ones are the pretenders. Those are the Judas Iscariots. Those ones will be beaten as pretenders. They'll be dragged out, out, of, the, out of the congregation of the workers. They'll be pulled out, uh, out there and they'll be beaten and thrown into outer darkness. They will be punished. They'll be judged for their unbelief. They'll be judged for their mistreatment of what the master says, about the slander of the master, the mistreatment, about their lyings and the pretendings and all this. They'll be mistreated and they'll be thrown out into outer darkness because they knew better and they didn't care. They knew better and didn't care. They'll be beaten with many stripes. They'll be treated differently than those who didn't even pretend and were not of the master. But he that knew not, verse 48, but he that knew not and did commit things worthy of stripes, like those of the unsaved, they're not pretending. They're not even pretending. But if they're still not believing, they will not receive as much of a judgment as those who did know had the knowledge and still didn't prepare themselves. These ones will receive greater condemnation. But woe unto you, Chorazin. And then you see how the Lord talks about Chorazin and these others, whom the Lord the Lord went to. The Lord warned and told them and instructed them and helped them and, and taught them, and they rejected him. The Lord utters a condemnation upon these places. It says, you will receive greater condemnation than even Sodom and Gomorrah. For Sodom had no Bible. So you see, the Lord talks about this, how those that are not even of the saved, they've, ne that they've, they've never even tried. They don't know the difference between good and evil. They won't receive as great a condemnation as those who were told and warned and all of this. You grew up in the church. You still rejected it. You think you're saved because you're going to church. You think you're saved because you pray. You think you're saved because you read your Bible. You think you're saved because someone splashed water on you or something. You think you're saved because you do. You think you're good. You're going to have to get to heaven because you do good things. You receive greater condemnation. But he that knew not and did commit things worthy of stripes shall be beaten with few stripes. For unto, for unto whomsoever much is given of him shall be much required. Much is given to those that are there and they hear and they see and they know and they reject. Much is given to them, therefore much will be required. For unto whomsoever much is given of him shall be much required, and to whom men have committed much of him they will ask the more. So we go on to something else here in verse 49. I am come to send fire on the earth. Lord, Lord Jesus says, I am come to bring fire on the earth. And we see later on, he says, I come not to bring peace, but a sword. And the fire is the judgment, the condemnation, the wrath of God is coming. Now, Look what he says here in verse 49. I'm come to send fire on the earth, and what will I if it be already kindled? 
what will I if it be already kindled? That means he's talking about how much the more will I do if I see that it's already kindled? There's already a fire started. Now, what does he mean by the fire coming to bring fire? What is this fire? Persecution. Division. Fighting. Infighting. Hating. Discord. These things are already started. I've come not to bring peace, but a sword, the sword of division, the sword of judgment, and that which will bring the persecution, that which will bring the hate. They will hate you because of me. You'll be persecuted of all men for my namesake. In this world, you shall suffer tribulation. They, they will arrest you and mistreat you, haul you up before the governors and magistrates. They'll imprison you. They will even kill you thinking they're doing God's service. I'm come to bring fire on the earth. And what will I if it be already kindled? How much the more do you think I'm going to do when I see this is going on? That those who are doing much, much will be required. But I have a baptism to be baptized with. I have a ministry, a work, a focus that I need to that, that needs to be done. A ministry that needs to that needs to be accomplished. And how am I strained? How am I focused and determined? Uh, 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 one track mind and how am i straight until it be accomplished this is going to be done there's a work that needs to be done a ministry that needs to be fulfilled a work that needs to be done a focus that needs to be finished and it's going to be accomplished regardless what others say or do suppose ye that i'm come to to give peace on earth i tell you nay but rather division and in Matthew 10, 34, this division is called a sword. I'm coming to, not to bring peace, but a sword. This sword. This sword causes so much division. This sword causes so much trouble. This does not bring peace on earth. This brings judgment. This brings condemnation to sin, to the world, to the flesh, to the unsaved. This is peace to the saints in that we see our salvation, we see our redemption. But this book, what it causes, because we see it and we know it, we know that this is the authority and this is the truth, that when we follow this book, what does it do to us in this world? What does that cause us cause to happen to us in this world when we obey this book? We are beaten, mistreated, hated. We become social pariahs. This kindles the fire. This kindles the division. From henceforth there shall be five in one house divided, three against two, and two against three. The father shall be divided against the son, and the son against the father, the mother against the daughter, and the daughter against the mother, the mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law, and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. This book, this truth of Christ, our master, causes divisions of families and friends and co-workers and acquaintances and causes division in society. Why? Why is there so much division and so much persecution? Because they hate the master. They hate the master's will. 
They will not prepare themselves. They will not ready themselves. They just pretend. They think that just dressing up like the master servants is enough. They think that talking like the master servants is enough. They think that, that saying the name of the master is enough. They think that showing up at the master's house once in a while is good enough. But when we reiterate the will of the master, they hate us and they persecute us and they curse us and revile us and, and they fight against us and oppose us. They, they kill us. Then it causes division. Uh, uh, people who listen to their opinions and feelings and experiences more than the truth of the word of God. And it causes division of family. Father against son, daughter against mother. It causes division against friends. Five against two, uh, 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 three against two and two against three. But the Lord doesn't end there. He goes on here in verse 54, Luke 12, 54. And he also said to the people, and he now he speaks to the people. To everyone who has ears to hear, let them hear what the Spirit saith. Jesus says, verse 54, and he said to the people, When you see a cloud rise out of the west, straightway ye say, There cometh a shower, and so it is. And when you see the south wind blow, you, you say, there will be heat, and it cometh to pass. Verse 56, ye hypocrites, ye can discern the face of the sky and of the earth, but how is it that ye, ye do not discern the time? How is it that you, you, just, you can't discern the signs of the times? Because when we go through this 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 parable here by Jesus about the servants, about the faithful and the unfaithful, about the believing and unbelieving. And about and it goes in about divisions and divisions and, and issues and problems between friends and family and all this. Was Jesus talking about then or now? When you hear this, what I'm telling you today, does this strike true in your heart and your life? Do you see the divisions in your family? Do you see what's happening? Not even between family, but do you see the division between you and the Word of God? That when the Word of God is spoken, you get your back up. And you say, yeah, but yeah, I think, I feel, I believe. Do you, do you cause division against you and the Lord? You and the Word of God? Or do you listen? Are you the faithful steward, a disciple of Jesus Christ? Or are you a pretender? The pretenders fight with the master. They, they argue and bicker with the master. They, they think they know better than the master. They think they're better than the servants because they think, they feel, they believe. You see it in these people, the social justice uh, Christians, the progressive Christians, the lukewarms, those who think they know better, those who have no love of God. They, they show no conviction of sin, no conviction of the Spirit of God, no love of the brethren. Where are you on the scale? And we also go over to Titus 1.16. Let's go over to Titus 1.16. They profess that they know God, 
but in works they deny him, being abominable and disobedient to every good work, a reprobate. They profess that they know God, but in works deny him. Not everyone that saith, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of God. But he which doeth my Father's will. What is the will of the Father? You believe on the Son. And we see Luke 6, 46. And why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? We see Matthew 7, 22. Matthew 7, 22. Many will say unto me in that day, they will profess. Many will say unto me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works. Then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. You see, you can't judge a person's salvation by their works. You can't judge a person's salvation by their fruits. For many in that day will have many fruits, many works. More works and fruits than you. More fruits and works than me. More fruits and works than the greatest individual out there. Greater works. And they'll be cast into outer darkness. Because it's not about works. It's not about fruits. It's about belief. How can you become a servant of the Master? By believing on the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord God and Savior. Ye hypocrites. You see and hear and you know what's being done and you won't do it. You say you're of the master, but you're not. That's hypocrisy. You call yourself holy, but you're wretched in sin. You say you're in righteousness, but you're in the damnation of sin. You say you're a child of God, but you're actually a child of the devil. You say you say you love God, but it works dishonor him. You call him Lord, Lord, but do not do as he says. How do you know you're saved? You go to church and sing, oh, how I love Jesus, and you go home and you and you talk about how much you love the, the abominations of the filth of sin of the world. You go to church and you sing the praises and hymns of God, and, you, and, and out of the same mouth utters cursings and oaths and the vile entertainments of the world. Out of the same mouth utters both blessing and cursing, ought not such a thing so to be. Ye hypocrites, you can discern the face of the sky and of the earth, but how is it that you cannot discern the time? The Lord is coming, and very few are preparing themselves, getting themselves ready by serving the Master faithfully as a faithful, loving steward. Listening close, that when the Master even whispers the very sound of his voice, you know exactly who it is that's talking. Though when the word of God is spoken, it strikes your heart and it breaks you. And you love him and you listen to him. Though the Lord hardly even has to, has to lay, lay his finger on you because you basically punish yourself enough. Because you're so softened and broken to the Lord. He hardly has to raise his voice to get your attention. He just whispers and you bow. Yea, 
And why even of yourselves judge ye not what is right? Look at verse 57. Luke 12, 57. Yea, and why even of yourselves judge ye not what is right? You don't even know how to judge righteously. You judge of the outward of the fruits and the works. And you don't understand the fruits and works are not evidences of salvation. Belief is. Yea, and why even of yourselves judge ye not what is right? Judge not after the appearance, but judge righteous judgment. How can you judge righteous judgment? What is judging righteously? What the word of God says. So what is he saying? You don't know the word of God. You say you do. You say you love it. You carry it. You buy multiple Bibles. They fill your bookshelves and your end tables. You carry it with you to church, but you don't read it. You don't study it. You don't memorize it. You don't know how to judge by it. You don't know how to teach by it. You don't even know how to witness by it. You know more songs on the radio than you do the word of God. If someone comes up to you, asks you how to be born again saved, you don't even know where to go in the Bible to show them. You, you don't even know of yourselves to know how to judge what is right. You just regurgitate catechisms. You can't even quote scripture. You don't know how to how to cite scripture rightly divided. You don't know how to teach it. By this time, ye ought to be teachers, but I must needs teach you again, as Paul says. That's what this is saying. Verse 57. You know, why even of yourselves judge ye not what is right? Question yourselves. You don't even know how to witness. Don't even know how to walk and talk and act right. Is it maybe because you don't know the master? Examine yourselves to see if you're in the faith. How do you know if you're truly born again saved? Don't look at your fruit and works. There'll be many pagans and heathens on judgment day who've done more works and good works and charitable works than you have in your whole so-called Christian life. Don't look at your fruit and works. Look at the gospel. Look at the belief of the heart. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And why even of yourselves judge ye not what is right? What is right? As Pilate says, what is truth? I am the way, the truth, and the life. What is right? Jesus Christ. What is truth? Jesus Christ. What is salvation? Jesus Christ. Do you know him? Is he your master? Is, is he your Lord? Is he actually your God and King? You profess that he is. You profess that he is. Is he? Are you actually? How can you know? How can you know? How can I know if I'm born again saved? 1 John 5.13 These things have I written unto you that believe on Acts 16, 30, 31, the jailer falls at the feet of Paul and says, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And Paul says, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, thou shalt be saved. 1 John 5, 13, Believe on the name of the Son of God. What is the name of the Son of God? Acts 10, 43, when you believe on his name, what happens? Your sins are forgiven, you're saved. Believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life. How can I know? 
Do you believe on the name of the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ of Holy Scripture? Do you see who Jesus is according to the Word of God? Do you see how He is the Christ, the mighty God, manifest in the flesh for your sins? Because He so loved you, He went to the cross for you, because the wage of sin is death, and without the shedding of blood there's no remission of sins, and He shed His blood and died as the Lamb of God on the cross for your salvation. And He, and he was buried, and He rose again the third day according according uh, to the scriptures to show you his power for life and death power to give you everlasting life do you believe that and accept that as absolute truth do you love honor and serve the lord do you believe on him with all thine heart have you called upon him and told him that you believe and accept him as your lord god and savior then you're saved you're his servant his steward your name is written in the lamb's book of life don't look at fruit. Don't look at works. Don't look at trying to make sure you've done enough. You've never done enough. Nobody's done enough. George Mueller didn't do enough. Charles Spurgeon didn't do enough. John the Baptist did not do enough. No one is able, capable of doing enough. Don't look at fruit and works. Don't look at whether or not you're doing or not doing. Look at whether you're believing or not believing. Who is the servant? Who is the steward? There are many pretenders. There are few that are that, that are chosen. Many are called. Few are chosen. The way is narrow. Few there be that find it. Because many will not humble themselves under the mighty hand of God. Many will not actually believe what the master is saying. The grounds are filled with people. Filled with people. Many of them are pretenders. Not everyone who sits in the pew on Sunday is a Christian. Many in that day will cry, Lord, Lord. You can only make sure of yourself. The steward only really knows who are the servants of the master, only really knows himself. You can only know if you look at yourself. Who are you? Who are you? Who do you think you are? Ye hypocrites, you can discern the face of the sky and of the earth, but how is it you cannot discern the time? The time is now. Today is the day of salvation. If you're not sure, if me going through this is making you question it, making you question yourself, and making you feel uncomfortable, and you're not sure, you're fidgeting, you're feeling heavy, panicky, your mind is filled with doubt. But right where you are, make sure thyself. Let today be the day of salvation. Choose you this day whom you will serve. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. And thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. Let today be the day. Don't put it off. Procrastination is the tool of the devil against the works of God. Don't procrastinate. Don't say, well, tonight, because tonight may not come. Death comes when you least expect it. That's why they're called accidents. Fall downstairs. You could choke on a chicken bone, hit by a car, have a heart attack, stroke. Who knows what? Death comes in many ways. You have no idea. Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and vanishes away. You don't want to stand before the Lord hoping you're saved. 
You want to stand before the Lord knowing you are and that you even smile. You're smiling from ear to ear when he reaches over and he grabs that holy, the holy book, the holy roll call, and he brings it over. And those mighty hands, they open it up and he leaves through the pages and he goes down the names, the names written in the blood of the lamb. And he sees your name shining and he calls out your name and you just start cheering just to hear it because you knew it was there, but to hear it, it being said out of his mouth to see the lips of God open and he speaks your name you see it and you know I'm gonna hear that what about you do you know for sure that if you were to die today you'd be in the presence of God or are you a pretender you're hoping you are you think you are you're pretending you are you think that acting and talking and walking and acting like it will get you there you think god is going to weigh your good against your bad you're going to hear name not found written and you're going to be screaming but 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 lord lord haven't i done haven't i done haven't i done but i don't know you depart from me ye cursed into everlasting fire and torment and the angels will come and drag you across that floor and they'll throw you out that door into the fire. And they'll be wailing and gnashing of teeth. And the fire is not quenched and the smoke of their torment goeth up forever. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is the word of the living God. This is what God has said. The way is so narrow. It's as narrow as the word of God is thick. Don't boast thyself in any way. Don't boast because you've done works. Don't boast because you've done, you've said, you've achieved or whatever. Don't boast about your works and your fruits. You boast about Christ and Christ alone. You boast about your master, your master alone, because he is your all. He's our everything. He's our salvation, our redemption. He's our king, our master. He is our, he's our forgiveness, our salvation. It's only in his name, in his works, in his atonement, his cross, his blood. It's his righteousness, nothing of me, all of him. The true steward and servant of the master knows nothing but of his master. The steward knows that he is nothing. Because there's nothing to, nothing to the table I bring but my own sin. I am nothing but a wretched sinner deserving hell, and he saved me despite myself. I have no goodness, no righteousness, no ability. I can't do good. I can't do anything right. It's all of him. Salvation is all of him. The steward knows nothing but his master's will. And what is the master's will? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. The will of the master is that he is not willing that any should perish. But God commands all men everywhere to repent. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all would be saved. He calls all. Few are chosen. Chosen to do what? To do the works. When are they chosen? When they believe. Choose you this day whom you will serve. Choose you this day. Will you believe? Let today be the day of salvation. This may be the last time you'll ever hear this. For one way or another, this may be the last time you ever hear this. This may be your last chance. 
When you stand before the Lord, you will not be able to say, well, I was never told, I was never warned, I was never given an opportunity, because I firmly believe, now I can't prove this by scripture, but this is a belief of mine, my own personal opinion, my own personal belief, I personally believe that every person who comes before the Lord on Judgment Day, who is not saved, who is lost in their sins, I personally believe that every single individual sinner the Lord will cause them to remember every single time the Lord tried to get their attention. He will sit there and spark their memory and they'll remember every single time. Every time they brushed away the track, they ignored the billboards, they ignored the voice on the radio, the television, they, they ignored the street preacher, the evangelist, they, they mocked and scoffed the churches when the name of Jesus be brought up and they brushed it aside and they cursed his name every single time. And they will be without excuse. And they'll be doing nothing but wailing and screaming or they're dragged to hell. And they'll be beaten with many stripes. Can you judge that which is right? Can you judge that which is right? What is right? The gospel of Jesus Christ is the only right. The name of Jesus Christ is the only thing that's right. He is the only thing, the only way, truth, and life. Don't focus on others' works and fruits. Focus on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Focus on that which is of the master. What is the steward the steward of? The will of the master. And what is it? This. It's our fire, our hammer, our sword, our bread, our water, our life, our light. It's our everything. We are the stewards of the word of God. Are you a faithful steward of the word of God? You, you profess that you are. Are you? You say you're saved. Are you? You say you love God. Do you? You say you love Jesus. Do you? They profess that they know God. What are you professing? Yea, and why even of yourselves judge ye not what is right? When thou goest, when thou goest with thine adversary to the magistrate, the judge, to the judge, as thou art in the way, give diligence that thou mayest be delivered from him. Lest he hail thee to the judge, and the judge deliver thee to the officer, and the officer cast thee into prison. This is also recorded in Matthew 5.25. Listen to what he says here. Matthew 5.25. Agree with thine adversary quickly, whilst thou art in the way with him. Lest any time that the adversary deliver thee to the judge, and the judge deliver thee to the officer, and, and thou be cast into prison. What is it that you're supposed to be agreeing with? What is he talking about here? This is a parable. Of what? What is our adversary? The law. The law delivers us. The law finds us guilty and delivers, delivers us up to the judge. The word of God. The law of God. The commandments of God. They are an adversary to the sinners, to the lost. Agree with the commandments of God, with the will of God, the law of God. What is the what is the will of God, the law of God? God commands all men everywhere to repent. Repent 
and believe the gospel, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Unless the law deliver thee to the magistrate. Who's that? God. And thou art delivered into prison of hell. Agree with it now. You're in the way with it right now. It is with you right now. It's going to deliver you. It's going to bring you up before the Lord. And when you stand before the Lord and the law of God is brought up, are you going to be found guilty or innocent? There's only one way to be found innocent. If the blood of Jesus Christ has delivered you. When you're brought up, that the Lord goes down through and he sees that you've, you're found innocent. You've been pardoned. The blood of Jesus Christ is your atonement. It's already been paid for on your record. Your account reads delivered, freed, saved. And you're not delivered to prison. But you're let go. You're found innocent by the blood of the Lamb. The Lord Jesus Christ, your advocate, your mediator, your intercessor. He's your Savior, your Redeemer. He forgave you of your sins and saved you by the blood of the Lamb. And the judge does not deliver you to the prison but rather lets you go. Because Jesus Christ reaches over, touches the hand of the Father and says, this one's mine. This one's mine. That one's mine. I'm sorry, but I don't know this one. No, I don't know this one. That one's mine. I tell thee, verse 59, I tell thee, thou shalt not depart thence till thou hast paid the very last farthing, very last mite. Your every penny, every single thing that you've ever done, you're going to have to give an account for if you're not saved. When you stand before the Lord on that day, you're going to be either innocent or guilty. And I'm telling you, if you're guilty, every single sin, every thought, word, action, everything, public or in private, Everything will be read off, and you're gonna to have to give an account for everything, and and you're gonna be you're gonna be having to pay the punishment of that in hell. But if you're saved, if the blood of Jesus Christ has washed you clean, though your sins be as scarlet, you should be washed whiter than snow. Though the though the be red like crimson, they should be washed white like wool. The blood of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, cleanses us, saves us. His Spirit seals us, and He makes us His own. Our names written in the Lamb's Book of Life. When we stand uh, on before Him on that day. The books will be opened, and they'll be white as snow. Nothing, because Jesus Christ already atoned for your sins. You're found innocent by the blood of the Lamb. Jesus Christ is our Savior, our Redeemer from the condemnation of the law. The faithful stewards, when he reads off the roll call of his stewards, they step forth, they receive the rewards because the, the Lord knows his own. The shepherd knows his own sheep. He, he, he will discern between the sheep and the goats. He knows the difference. Do you? Do you know how to judge that which is right? Do you know the difference? Do you know Jesus Christ? Are you sure you're saved? Don't look at your works and fruits. Look at the belief of the heart. For the unfaithful steward of his heart denied his master. Does your heart believe or deny? Who is Jesus Christ to you? Are you sure you're saved?
this coming Friday, I'm going to be going with uh, my family. We have to go up to a funeral. So I won't be here to broadcast on this Friday. A funeral is a time where the gospel of Jesus Christ will be listened to the most. When people are thinking of death. Death comes quickly, least expected. This individual that we know, they, they were fine one day and the next day is just right on death's door in the hospital, gasping for breath. It's a shock. We don't really think of it happening to us. We don't plan to die. We think we're going to grow old and we're going to die in our sleep when we're like 150 or something like that. A lot of young people die. Accidents, mishaps, whatever, illnesses, disease. A lot of young people die. A lot of old people die. 10 out of 10 people die. Are you ready? Are you sure? Make sure of thyself. Let today be the day of salvation. Examine yourself. Look down at your own self. You may be dressed like the steward. You may be dressed and acting and working like the servants. How can I be sure? What can this one do? Walk into the master's house. Introduce yourself to the master. All who come to me, I will in no wise cast out. The master will invite you in. He will not say, no, I don't want to talk to you right now. It doesn't matter who you are or what you have done. You could be the most vile of all sinners. Like Saul of Tarsus. Walk up to him as he sits on his throne. Walk up to him and introduce yourself. And have a talk with Jesus. Listen to what he says. Believe his word. Believe in him. Accept him as your Lord, God, and Master, as your Master, as your God, as your King, as your Savior, as your Redeemer. Look at his works, what he's done. Repent of your sins and believe the gospel, and he will make you his own. He will reach over, and he will write your name in that book. And you'll be saved, born again, freed, made new. And then you can step out into the fields as an actual steward. Boasting of the master that you have. That you actually know him. You don't, It's not just, I think I know him. I know of him. I actually know him. He's my master. He's my friend. My father. He, he's my savior. My God. My king. And I know him. And I know that ye may know that you have eternal life. Do you? Do you know? Make sure thyself. So something to think about. As I look in the word of God, what is the gospel? What, what is salvation? How can I know? Who is Jesus? What are the stewards? What, what is this works thing? What's the difference between works and fruit? How can I know anything? Who is Jesus? To you. Do you actually know him? Are you saved? How can you know? Give this some thought. We'll finish this by reading John chapter 3, 15 to 18. 
verse 15, John 3, 15, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Do you believe in the name of the only begotten Son of God, Jesus the Christ? Do you believe in Jesus Christ of Scripture? So I ask every single person who's hearing this right now. Don't think back that because you said a prayer. Don't say, I have believed. I'm talking about right here, right now, present tense. Do you believe? Are you sure? Do you believe in the name of Jesus Christ as your Lord, God, and Savior? Have you personally told him you accept him as your God and Savior? Have you asked him to forgive you of your sins and save you? It's not about works, not about righteous works, not about works of the law, but by the grace of God through believing faith are you saved. It's a gift of God. You don't have to pay for it. You don't have to try to bargain for it. You don't go before the master and bargain for a place on, on his employ. You don't have to bargain to be a steward of his kingdom. You don't have to buy it. You don't have to purchase it. You don't have to do works. You don't have to try to impress him. You just go before him and believe. That's all. Believe in what he's done, what he's said, what he's given. You believe in him. Not yourself. You don't believe in yourself. You believe in him. Don't believe in your own heart. Don't believe in your own self. Don't believe in your own conscience. You believe in him. You die to self and believe in him. Repent of thyself. Of your sin. And believe in the name of the only begotten Son of God. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's Luke chapter 12. So there you go, folks. So I hope that this has been encouraging and help. I hope this has been enlightening to you. Hope you've learned much on this. So please make sure you rewatch this and share this around. And if you appreciate these studies, please give us a like as a thumbs up. Make sure you subscribe, hit notification bell icon. So you know we put up new videos and check out all our other videos. We've got tons and tons of other content. If you have questions, more questions, anything like this, please make sure to get in touch with me. If you go to our website, christiancoffeetime.ca, there's a link there to contact us, a direct email, write to me. And if you have uh, questions about this, please don't, don't hesitate. Don't put this off. Don't procrastinate. Procrastination is the tool of Satan to try to hinder the work of God. Don't, don't put things off, especially the gospel of Jesus Christ, especially your salvation, the assur assurance of your salvation. Don't put it off. Make sure thyself. Right where you are, right here, right now, right where you are, in a taxi, bus, at the gas station, at home, or wherever, at work, doesn't matter, right where you are, right here, right now, call upon the Lord. Believe on Him. 
Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Believe on him. Trust in him. Believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Tell him you believe. Tell him you're sorry for your sins. Ask him to forgive you and save you. Tell him you believe in him. What he's done for you. For his work on the cross. For your sins. Tell him you believe. And you will be saved. It's that simple. This is what it's all about, folks. The Lord says this to all the people. He says this to the saints. He says this to his disciples. Examine yourself. Examine yourself. Don't care about others. Care about yourself. Don't look at other stewards. Look at yourself. Don't judge by fruit and works. Judge yourself of your belief of heart. Who is the master? Don't care about the stewards. Care about the master. And if you care about the master, you will tell others. And if you love the master, it will manifest. It will be known. That's what he's talking about. So with that, wrap that up there. So I hope this has been a help and a blessing to you. God bless you, folks. God bless you. Hope to see you again. And as always, if I don't see you again, I'll see you in the sky. God bless.